0: Welcome to The Sword and the Trowel, the podcast of Founders Ministries. Founders Ministries exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of churches. I'm Jared Longshore. I'm Tom Askell. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. No, 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 no. no. A
1: metaphysical Christmas. Have yourself a metaphysical
0: Christmas. A real one. Using these big words. It's going to be fun. We're going to talk about having yourself a uh, metaphysical Christmas, yeah. maybe an objective Christmas. Yeah. A uh, transcendent Christmas.
1: Yeah, one with a real God who invades a real uh, heaven that's right and earth with real time and real space that's right and so we'll be
0: rejecting that emotivism that so often marks the christmas time and yeah. we'll be the meaning of
1: christmas is in
0: your heart oh yes <laughs> it's in bethlehem all right <laughs> so uh we're so glad that you listened to the sword and the trial today uh, thank you to all of our listeners man we're just so grateful so many people yeah. tap into this think of all the things they could be doing
1: I know. we doing all kinds I of know. stuff. Maybe they're riding in the car. It's it's mowing, still, the, mowing the yard. with it your piece in? It still uh, fascinates me when I talk to people or meet people and they say, "Oh man, we listened to Sword and Trial it happened last night in church." You know, somebody was saying, "Yeah, found you on the internet and listen." And I'm you know, that's good. Grateful for that. Yeah. Praise God and hope that we can be helpful.
0: Certainly. Well, this is Christmas week. This is dropping. Um, on Christmas week. Christmas is just a few days away. And so we right. do want to get into Christmas. But before we do, I want to remind you that we're having a conference, January 20th through the 24th, The Only God. It's on the Doctrine of God. And uh, registrations continue to just spike on that. And so there's a little bit of space left. We would love for you to register. Um, you can do that at founders.org. We're going to have you preaching and I'm preaching and Vody Bauckham's preaching and Chad mm-hmm. Vegas from out in California will be preaching. James Dolezal will be preaching And so we're going to have a wonderful time. We've got Virgil Walker and Daryl Harrison from the Just Thinking Podcast, who will be with us for a live podcast one night there. So it's going to be a great time. There is a pre-conference called Above All Earthly Powers. Courage for Christ in the Public Square. Yeah. And Votie Bacham is going to be speaking at that, and then we're going to have uh, you speaking in some form or fashion, and then maybe a, some kind of panel, maybe a mm-hmm. Q&A. Mm-hmm. But um, this is really born out of a couple things that are now public. Uh, we have written a book, you and I, uh, called Strong and Courageous, Following Jesus Amid the Rise of America's New Religion, which is on a pre-pub sale right now at founders.org. And so you have the Courage for Christ in the Public Square idea. And then uh, we have launched the Institute of Public Theology, which we're delighted about. Founding faculty, Dr. Tom Nettles, Dr. Vodibacham, and then the two of us.
1: Yeah, if you've not uh, checked out the Institute of Public Theology, let me encourage you to find it on our website at thefounders.org and go there and just read the information about it. Within 24 hours, we had some incredible communication from people interested and uh, for even avenues that might open up. Uh, new dimensions of how this institute can be useful in the kingdom of God. So a lot of that's got to still be explored, but we praise God for it. The timing is right. Uh, We've had multiple people reach out to us and tell us thank you for even thinking about the idea and trying to get something like this going because if you've been mildly aware of what's happening in the evangelical world today and in the world in the West, especially America, the need for a theology that can keep you in the public square with uh, a sense of yeah, this is God's public square is desperately needed in our day. Mm-hmm.
0: At the conference on Friday night, we're going to have a fam dinner and a ministry update dinner. We're calling it. And at this, wait, wait,
1: wait, wait. Minis- a mud dinner, a mud dinner, a fam <laughs> you know, dinner, I'm like an acronyms it's a, fam, here. it's a fam dinner and a mud dinner.
0: And so, um, <laughs> I think it's like fifteen bucks. Is it fifteen it bucks? It is,
1: which is which is really well. Priced for
0: the area, so yeah. It's 15 bucks. It's right on site at the conference. Um, And we want to basically let people know what's happened at Founders Ministries over the last year. And then we're looking to the future and we want to communicate some things that we're going to be trying to do, a number of initiatives that we have in place. And so this is going to be fairly informal time, but we would love for you to register for this. You do need to register, and if you can register quickly, that's going to help us know how yeah. many um, tables we're going to need, how much food we're going to need. So go to founders.org, go to the uh, type in fam dinner or something, mm-hmm. or you know you can find it, I think, by just going to the conference registration page and right. following the and, information.
1: And you know, I think it's uh, six chairs per table, I believe, is what they told us. And so if you wanted to just purchase a whole table's worth of food tickets you could do that and then give them out bless people when you're here so we would love to have you and your friends and anyone that you want to bring with you to this special dinner on friday night of the conference there you go christmas
0: sale through the end of the year so 25 percent off everything that is in the founder's store online until Uh, January 1st. Well, we want to get into Christmas today. So Christmas is upon us and it provides a number of opportunities to think biblically Mm. about uh, this world, about the Lord Jesus Christ, about the miracle of the incarnation that God himself took on flesh. And um, we, we were talking earlier about this, trying to think what's one of the main problems that we have when it comes to Christmas. And one of those problems is the tendency to subjectivize everything. And so it really becomes about me personally getting in the Christmas spirit, not being a Grinch, you know, and we shouldn't be Grinches, but it would say that's really my whole, my whole goal is to try to get some kind of Christmas magic in my heart that I need the, I need the spirit of Christmas to invade me personally and then to to somehow express my um, inner love and appreciation for this holiday season. And it kind of moves away from the objectivity of God invading the world that he created.
1: Yeah, and of course, you cannot read Old or New Testaments and uh, live with that kind of ambiguity and that kind of subjectivity because the Old Testament begins with, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1, one, of course, I think it's the most important verse in all the Bible. New Testament, we are told that in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in John 1.14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so you think about this world that God created, that exists as it does, was invaded by the Creator in the person of His Son, who took on flesh and became what he was not a man Mm -hmm. in order then to redeem us from our sin Mm -hmm. to perform for us what we cannot perform for ourselves so that we can be reconciled to this creator against whom we have rebelled. It's, it's, mind-boggling you know j.i. packer in his book knowing god has this wonderful little paragraph let me read it to you he says the word was made flesh john 114 god became man the divine son became a jew the almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby unable to do more than lie and stare and wriggle and make noises needing to be fed and changed and taught to talk like any other child and this there was no illusion of deception in this the babyhood of the Son of God was a reality. The more you think about it, the more staggering it gets. Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as this truth of the incarnation. Mm. Mm. Amen, man. Yeah.
0: It's glorious, and it's um, never-endingly glorious. You know, it's one of the mysteries of our faith. There are things that are mysterious to us, and that are above our reason. We've talked mm. a lot here about the what God has revealed to us in His Word is not against reason but it is a supra rational. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the things are just above reason. And so you're not going to get your head around it. It's like the incomprehensibility of God, uh, this, this, Teaching the doctrine of God that you can't get your mind all the way around God. You can know God, but it's not like you're going to understand it like you would, like a, like an orange, like you can understand <laughs> it from all sides and dissect it. Yeah. And it's that way with the incarnation. You know, the the creator creature distinction is remarkable when considered in conjunction with the incarnation. I've been um, dealing with this recently that that the this fundamental distinction is the creator creature distinction that God is eternal. Uh, he has no beginning. He's outside of time and he creates the world out of nothing. And so the, the creation is not the creator and mm-hmm. creator is not the creation and creation is dependent upon the creator. There is this very clear distinction. So this is a coffee cup. This is not God. And having that distinction clear in your mind is very important to thinking rightly, thinking biblically about the world that we live in and about the God who has created the world. Mm hmm. Okay, so you start with that setup, and then you say, in the womb of the virgin is the God-man.
1: Yeah, the creator.
0: Is the creator who has taken upon himself humanity. Creatureliness. Who's taken upon himself creatureliness. Yeah. And you know, we go back to uh, great Christian confessions that speak of the two natures of Christ in one person. There's the divine nature of Christ, the human nature of Christ. And there's no mixing of these natures in the one person of Christ. The, these are two distinct natures within the person of Christ. And and yet you're talking about the, the dividing line of the creator creature distinction yeah. in the god man in, in in christ and your mind goes what in the world i mean jesus christ is the creator uh, god created the world through through the word through christ and here you have god and man our christ who has saved us and so you know you say my goodness you always feel almost in danger of being a heretic when you <laughs> really start to think about the incarnation
1: well, if you're not in danger of being a heretic you're not thinking about it rightly because it is a razor's edge. And again, we we can do this. We can approach it, not because we think we have the power of reason sufficient to understand it, but it's what Hebrews says. I think it's verse three of chapter 11. That's by faith. We understand that the worlds were made by the word of God. And this is what Anselm said in the middle ages is faith seeking understanding. We Mm. believe in order to know. And so everybody starts Somewhere. Everybody has presuppositions. There's just no getting around that. And as Christians, what we want to do is say, yeah, we put our presuppositions on the table. We acknowledge that this is our starting point, that there is a God and he has spoken. And we take what he has said. And because it's his world in which we live, we listen to what he has said. We try to understand what he said. And that helps us to understand the world that he's created. And it is mind boggling, as you've just outlined, that the creator. Has invaded the creation, has taken humanity into himself, and has united in the God-Man uh, our nature and His nature. This is this is phenomenal. Mm. It's mind-boggling.
0: Yeah, and then the, the uh, pastoral implications of this are important, as we started out saying. There's just such a danger of thinking about yourself far too much at Christmas, right? Well, this Christmas isn't isn't the same. I remember the Christmases and Christmas past were so much more magical. And then, you know, you, you, you start to do this and you start to get really lame and you start to get turned in on yourself. And then even thinking and then finding ways to kind of conjure up your mm-hmm. emotional life. Now, I don't mean to say that your emotions aren't important at all, that they just don't matter at all. That's not what I'm saying. But this, this little um, exercise that we just did of thinking about the Christ, thinking about the God-man, was something entirely outside of us. Mm-hmm. He, he, he was born of the Virgin in Bethlehem. God did that. God, God came. To earth. Mm -hmm. And that would be true whether you and I were here or not. So, like, we go away. Yeah. That's still the truth. It's objectively true. God has invaded it. Um, We deny it. It's still true. (laughs) Okay? We don't reap the emotional benefits of that glorious truth. Still true. It's there. And so, at least when I'm gunning for this, I'm actually trying to help people with their emotional life, uh, help people with... um, Faith and then uh, joy and, and peace and all of those. Things. Lord of God, in mm-hmm. highest on earth, peace among those with whom He's pleased. But that peace comes from you noticing the objectivity of this. That that yes, when it comes to the coming of Christ in its objective nature, you are irrelevant. You don't cause it to happen. Uh, it's no in no way dependent upon you realizing it. It there it is there. Mm-hmm. And then when you go, wow, like God sent His Son. Like it's just there. Yeah. Well, then the fruit comes to you and all kind of blessing will come to you. Um, but we uphold that objective. Merry Christmas.
1: Yeah. This reminds me of uh, Edwards, you know, this religious affections talking about, he sees it to be his obligation, his duty to raise the affections of his people as high as possible, provided that they are raised upon the basis of the truth mm-hmm. revealed. And so it's not, a, a, you know, we're not pitting subjective experience against objective reality. We're just saying they need to be in right relationship with each other. Yeah. So let's look at what objectively has been revealed as true, what God actually did by sending his son into the world and then hitch our affections to that. Let our affections be fed by the truth rather than trying to conjure up something that we just, you know, work ourselves up into some kind of emotional high because it's Christmas time and we have all these sentiments attached to it. No, it's, it is, it's, phenomenal what god has done i mean it it beggars the imagination to try to comprehend the fact that god became flesh Mm -hmm. and that event in and of itself is significant but then the rationale for it you know why god has done this what we read in the scripture that he has done this for us christ was given to us he came for us god loves us god determined to have rebels be restored into right relationship with himself so that we might stand before him forgiven and righteous and we might be adopted into his family and seated at his table mm-hmm. forever mm-hmm. this this is incredible i mean and this is the real world this is the world we got this is what god has done and the more we can see it the more we can believe it the more that we can grow in our understanding of it the the more our affections are going to be enlivened by it. We won't have to try to gin up some kind of emotional response.
0: Yeah, there's uh, the coming of Christ concerns justification by faith alone, forgiveness of sins uh, through the bloodshed by the God-man. Being fully and completely God, he can justify us. And being fully and completely man, he can die in our place. And this Christ has risen again. And thanks be to God that Mm -hmm. that salvation has come. And then this... um, when, when you think about implications from that truth, when you think about broader uh, strokes of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, um, one of them is that um, that this world has remarkable meaning. You know, mm-hmm. we're, working, we're still working our way through uh, Carl Truman's recent book, is I'm just fascinated by and thoroughly enjoying, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. And he talks about how... Um, Nietzsche and Freud and Marx um, all kind of came to see that the world had no meaning, and so we have to. If if it has no meaning, we got to kind of you got to force the meaning in it. When you're forcing the meaning in it, you end up doing really bad things, like which they've done, and those who have bought into such an ideology have done. But rather, as Christians, we see that the world has this meaning. And uh, Glenn Sunshine gave a sermon on this um, recently at the Fight Laugh, Feast Conference, which was was fascinating to me. He was saying that they, that these same kind of figures so began to see the world as disenchanted. It was, you know, and then what they wanted to do is re-enchant the world. Well, you start to, you know, you start to manipulate, you start to abuse and harm because you're not acknowledging that this world is enchanted kind of in that Chestertonian sense, you know, you go what is that? Well, what is it that is enchanted? Well, I mean, one of the things I, I don't know that sunshine means exactly this, but one of the things I'm understanding in this is that that really God took on flesh. <laughs> so, there's like Christ is now the God, man who lived mm-hmm. on this earth, died and rose again and ascended into heaven and is in his spirit upon us. Yeah. And you say, you know, so then you start to just, then the whole, the whole world, we're not just ranked materialists like no, Marx, right? No. Like I'm looking at you and I was, I was messing around with you the other day when we we're riding the car. I said, you know, you have a soul. I was like, I'm looking at you I have your soul and I kind of pointed to your arm and I was like your soul's inside there but your soul's not out here if I go out like six inches that's not your soul that's your soul but your soul's contained in your body and then you know but God is spirit he is everywhere he's not like that you know mm. but then Christ has a human soul and he's resurrected from the dead bodily and you start to think like that and you're saying Jesus is coming to the world like mm. how, how could you not that the objective nature of that is glorious it's marvelous it's above it's above us, yeah. but it's things that we lay hold of by faith, and when we do, joy,
1: yeah. peace. It's been revealed, and we take it because it's been revealed. And you know, this is something that that got John Bunyan, and I've tried to think on it some. And uh, you know, Bunyan talks about his righteousness is in heaven. You know, as he was grappling with assurance and, and being convicted that because of Christ, the righteousness that he needs, the righteousness that when he looks inside himself, he does not find even on his best days. That righteousness God requires has been provided, and it's in Christ, and it's seated in heaven. So think about this for a moment. The fact that God became a man, and that man earned righteousness. He fulfilled righteousness. Jesus never sinned and anything he left undone, anything that he did, any thought he harbored, any word he spoke. He fulfilled righteousness, and having been crucified for the unrighteous and then raised from the dead and ascended into heaven, he's ascended into heaven as a real man, And so there is a righteous man at God's right hand right now in heaven. And that righteous man is my righteousness. Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) there's nothing that can ever spot it. There's nothing that can ever detract from it. I will never lack anything because of the fact that God sent his son into the world to become a real man. And that righteous man, having fulfilled everything required, is now seated in heaven in my behalf. And I am in him. I mean, that's just, it's, again, it's mind boggling.
0: Amen. Amen. You know, one other implication of the incarnation that seems to be in need of being drawn out in this particular time is what Isaiah gets at in Isaiah chapter nine. And so we're living in politically tumultuous Mm -hmm. times. We now have a president elect Joe Biden and um, then Kamala Harris as his vice president And it's been tumultuous over the year 2020, and it should be tumultuous in the days ahead. And much to be said about this. Hopefully we can get into this more even in our next podcast. But when you celebrate Christmas, you're celebrating that unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And Isaiah says that the government shall be upon his shoulder. And Mm -hmm. so uh, let me read Isaiah chapter 9. I'm probably going to pick up in like verse 5. I'll pick up in verse 5 and read through, and then let's talk about this for a minute. Isaiah says there, For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, What is Isaiah talking about, and um, what are some of the
1: implications
0: of what he's talking about?
1: Well, he's talking about something unprecedented in human history that's going to happen, and of course it has happened as we look back and see what God did in Christ and into the world, and that this coming Savior is going to be the ruler, the king of all creation. So the government will be on his shoulders. Uh, He's the one who upholds all things, and he is the one who, as the sovereign ruler, all things must give an account. So there's not any kingdom, there's not any king, there's not any government, there's not any government official that will not one day stand and give an account to the one who has the government of the world upon his shoulders. Yeah,
0: I mean, it'd be remarkable to live in Isaiah's day and to have this prophecy and to know that these things are future. We would sit around and we'd say, well, here we are. And um, at some point, to us uh, a son will be born to us Mm -hmm. a child will be given and that would be one particular situation with certain implications personally for the people of god and for uh, society but to be here post the coming Mm -hmm. of that child and say oh he has come and his name is wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace and of this increase of his government, it has begun, as we hear that. Well, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, mm-hmm. Judah, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. So, when we're celebrating Christmas, we're actually celebrating the coming of Christ, right. the King, the one upon uh, whose whose shoulder the government rests. And it was—it's fascinating that this was from the from the case from the very beginning. I mean, Herod had a reason to be afraid. Yeah, you know, even though Jesus would say. You know, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdoms don't operate the world the way that this, the kingdoms of this world operate. And my kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. Um, but it was enough for Herod that that kingdom was coming on earth. Yeah. It was enough for him to tremble. And rightfully, he should have trembled. He should have bowed the knee to the king that came. But he didn't want to. And so you have the political upheaval that you do. Well, there's implications here for this coming presidency of Joe Biden. Well... The government is upon Christ's shoulders and Joe Biden needs to bow his knee to the king who has Mm -hmm. come. And we need to rejoice that Jesus Christ is the king of Kings, this wonderful counselor, mighty God who has come. And we're living in his kingdom. Mm -hmm. We're living in his kingdom that is coming upon earth in increasing measure. And of its increase, there will be no end. And we can be confident. You say, well, you know, well, what about government shutdowns? And what about uh, masking mandates? And, you know, Joe Biden said everybody's going to have to wear a mask and he's going to work with the states and he's going to start to oppress everybody and all that. And well, yeah, yeah you got to face up to all the things that he's really saying. But do you know what verse seven says? Verse 7 says that uh, his kingdom is going to continue to Mm -hmm. increase. And it says the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. God has had no problem with the Nebuchadnezzars of this world. He has had no problem with the Pharaohs of this world. And he's not going to have any problem with the Joe Biden and Kamala Harris of this world. And so we really should be merry and bright.
1: Yeah, and it's a a challenge to make sure we don't fall off on either side into ditches here about the kingdom of Christ because the, the kingdom of Christ is not of this world. It is spiritual. It is within us. And so we see the kingdom expand as more and more people bow the knee to Christ, turn from sin, and trust him. And yet the kingdoms of this world who oppose Christ who oppose his kingdom, they are the enemies of Christ. They also need to be conquered. They also need to be brought into glad submission to Jesus Christ. If they will not be brought into glad submission to Christ, they will be brought into submission to Christ on the day of his return. There's no mm-hmm. doubt that every king, every kingdom will bow. Every knee will bow. And so when we're talking about the, the lordship of Christ, the kingship of Christ, we're not talking about some type of uh, political play to overthrow governments of this world. But what we are saying is, hey, governors, there is a king to whom you must give an account. There is a king who himself has established you in your position of temporal authority, and you are obligated to him, and you should bow to him, and you should do that which is right in his sight. And we need to understand that without falling into this temptation if we're going to establish political kingdoms today that will be the kingdoms of Jesus Christ it's not what we're talking about
0: yeah yeah the physical implications of it are remarkable right many kings throughout scripture suffered physically because mm-hmm. they opposed what God was doing for his people in this advance of his glorious purposes in the world and nothing's changed about right. that that's a warning that goes out kiss the sun and we're saying that we're saying that um not in any sense that that. The, that the um, the success of that kingdom uh, depends upon us. It right. doesn't depend upon us. God is the one who the brings The zeal
1: in, of the Lord of hosts. Yeah, and God is the one
0: who brings in his kingdom. And that, that actually <laughs> creates the joy. Uh, if you think it's in your hands, which is really the the modern ideology, is that it's really up to me to kind of hit the <laughs> final buzzer shot. Well, then you're going to be kind of stressed out this Christmas. I don't know what's coming. You know, have ended year 2020, and I don't know what's coming in 2021. But if you say, no, 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 the government is on Christ's shoulders, objectively, it's on Christ's shoulders, Uh, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. His kingdom is not going to flinch. It's just not going to happen. And so you say, wow, praise the Lord, and we have reason to rejoice and to celebrate Jesus Christ has come into the world.
1: Yeah, and that's, man, that is a huge point that we need to remind ourselves of often and try to help our folks as pastors you know trying to do this and uh, even yesterday morning in the sermon I preached, I was thinking of this as I was preaching. You know, God is writing this story. God is the one who has the plan, the purpose that is going to be fulfilled. And he calls his people to participate in that. He puts us where he wants us to be. We all have roles to play. For some of us, it will be to live and uh, to be born, to live and to die in obscurity. For others, it will be to be born, to live and to be executed for his name's sake. For others, it will be being faithful as a housewife or being faithful as a single person or being uh, faithful as a a pastor or plumber. But God has a, a role for us to play in this overarching purpose that he is working toward. And if I understand that, I understand that. It doesn't, it doesn't cancel ambition. No, we should be as ambitious as we can for Christ. But it relieves me from the responsibility of thinking, oh, my goodness, I've got to do this. And it also relieves me from the responsibility of thinking, oh, no, I've blown this. And if I don't do this, then all is going to crumble down. No, the zeal of the Lord of hosts is going to accomplish it. And I'm involved in that. So what's my responsibility? Well, it's to try to understand what the word says that I'm to do and be, who I am, what God's made me to be, how he's gifted me, how he's positioned me in his providence. And I want to do the best I can. I oh. want to get the most miles per gallon I'm capable of getting with a vehicle that God has entrusted to oh, me. Yeah. And as I do that, I know He is working out His eternal purpose. And so I'll live, try to be faithful. I'll die. His kingdom will not fail. Amen.
0: You know, one other implication before we sign off here is this kind of materialism stuff. You know, there's a think about the word material, materialism. So it, it, we kind of, there's a danger in thinking that material is bad. You know, material's not bad. God made material. It's not ultimate. It's not ultimate. So when you turn it into an ism and you know, we kind of, again, we reference Marx, go back to Marx. It's just nothing but material world. Then you have huge problems, but this, this, this challenge always comes up at Christmas time because you're going to be giving gifts. You're going to be receiving gifts. And you know, what do you do? You just say, you know, well, thanks for this gift. It's just going to burn. You know, thanks a lot. You know, I wish you would have just prayed for me. You know, I I got this gift today, (laughs) this Christmas gift today. and I'm wearing it. That's right. And so, uh, is it true that the that these material things are going to burn? Yes. Um, is it true that they're they're wonderful gifts from God? Yes. And so one of the things we need to cultivate is this ability to eat the food, you yeah. know, drink the cup, and um, give the gifts and receive the gifts as gifts from God that remind us of Christ, the ultimate gift that is not going to burn, that is never going to go away. And so um, of many of many things that need to be guarded, if you're out just thinking it's all about the gifts and you're not praying and you're not going to church and you know, you're know you out there probably with your mask at JCPenney or wherever it is people go to get their gifts and you're just consumed with it, yelling at the kids and angry at your husband and angry at your wife. Well, okay, then you just need to get reoriented here you're making it all about these kind of material things on the other hand if you're the person that you know you're not really buying any gifts and i don't know how much money i want to spend just don't want to spend much money you know and uh you're not you're not thinking about others and able to able to bless them with what god has given you well watch out remember that god created us body and soul jesus came bodily mm-hmm. and jesus is resurrected with a new body but yet yeah, a body nonetheless and so we say yeah god made these things too here's a good gift given to you do it by grace receive the gifts by grace through faith trusting god and saying you know thank god for all that he's done the remarkable mm-hmm. gifts that is that all orient us and point us to the lord jesus christ
1: yeah you know i uh <clears throat> I remember many, many years ago going through that kind of uh, humbug phase on Christmas because I was trying to grow in my understanding of the gospel. I didn't see Christmas or the celebration of birth of Jesus in the Bible, and so I'm thinking, well, we're not gonna celebrate the birth of Jesus, because the Bible doesn't celebrate the birth of Jesus. It doesn't tell us to. And uh, God, by his grace, delivered me out of that and gave my wife great patience. So, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I found this statement by Spurgeon in one of his sermons. I want to read it. I think this is so appropriate. Spurgeon says, Now, a happy Christmas to you all, and it will be a happy Christmas if you have God with you. I shall say nothing today against festivities on this great birthday of Christ. We will tomorrow think of Christ's birthday. We shall be obliged to do it. I am sure, however sturdily, we may hold to our rough puritanism. And so let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice or wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Do not feast as if you wished to keep the festival of Bacchus. Do not live tomorrow as if you adored some heathen divinity. Feast, Christians, feast. You have a right to feast. Go to the house of feasting tomorrow. Celebrate your Savior's birth. Do not be ashamed to be glad. He goes on, religion never was designed to make your pleasures less. Mm. Recollect your mas- that your master ate butter and honey. Go your way. Rejoice tomorrow. But in your feasting, think of the man in Bethlehem. Let him have a place in your hearts. Give him the glory. Think of the virgin who conceived him. But think most of all of the man born, the Christ given. I finish it by again saying a happy Christmas to you all.
0: Amen, brother. Amen. Well, hey, thank you for listening to The Sword in the Trial. And we do send you a very happy Christmas as you celebrate, as you feast, as you sing, and as you remember the Christ.